Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. I am so glad that you all are joining for another week of Homecoming. And today our focus is healing intergenerational trauma. Isn't it amazing? That in order to get home, we have all of these people that are surrounding us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I want to invite you to acknowledge wherever you are, whether you're sitting, laying, listening to it as you walk or exercise, I want you to acknowledge that you have roots, that there uh, are generations before you that had strengths and wisdom, but also had wounds. And so some of the wounds that you are carrying that have caused you to be disconnected from yourself, some of those wounds did not start with you. And the mystery will make sense if you start to recognize the ancestral wounding that has occurred. In psychology, it's called different terms. Some people call it historical trauma. Some people call it intergenerational trauma. Some people call it ancestral trauma. And so these violations that occurred are both individualized and collective. And so from the collective standpoint, you may be a descendant of the transatlantic slave trade. You may be a descendant of the Holocaust. You may be a descendant of the Trail of Tears. You may be a descendant of the Armenian Genocide. You may be the descendant of a civil war. Uh, Your foreparents came through some experiences and the impact of those experiences did not end with them. So there are various ways that ancestral trauma or intergenerational trauma is transmitted. And so one of the ways it can be transmitted to you is in parenting. So when, uh, our foreparents grew up with danger. Uh, They, uh, a part of racial socialization, a part of parenting was to prepare your children to know how to act when they are uh, the minority, to know how to act uh, when they are dealing with authority figures or people who mean them uh, no good. And so some of that preparation uh, is a formalized disconnection. Some of us were taught to numb out to survive. 
And so when you are not able to tap into your feelings, that may not have started with you. Look at your mother and look at your father. Look at your grandmother, look at your grandfather. How did they show their blues? How did they show their depression? How did they show their frustration? How did they show their anger? Often you will see there are generational patterns be, that were passed down from people who did not have what I call the luxury of healing. They were in survival mode. And so the ways in which they learned to survive were not always healthy, it just allowed them to survive. So Dr. Maya Angelou had a quote which says, surviving is necessary, but thriving is elegant. And so to come home to myself, I want to come out of survival mode. Survival mode means when you say, how are you? I say fine. When you say, how are you? I say blessed. And then I take out my frustration on my children. I take out my frustration in worship. I take out my frustration uh, in a bottle or a pill. I take out my uh, frustration in my eating. It shows up in different ways. And so some of those ways were passed down. We were taught uh, of what we could say or what we couldn't say, how we could look and how we couldn't look. Uh, and those messages uh, are demonstrated in how you think and act and speak today. Not only did we learn directly uh, how to live out of the wound, to let our wound make our choices, let our fear make our choices, uh, let our anger make our choices, but also many of us were the recipients of the wounding caused by unhealed foreparents. So they were not healed, and their parents weren't healed, and their parents weren't healed, and their parents weren't healed. And so who was the safest outlet for their frustration? And often it was their children, which is why in our community, in African-American communities, uh, we'll hear people tell these horrific stories where they will call it just beatings or spankings. But if you hear some of the descriptions, it's really torture. And all of us, no matter what people think about physical discipline, all of us know adults who have crossed the line. All of us. And then seen when people tell the story and we tell it with laughter. Oh! we tell it with laughter and then they took the switch off the tree and then they chased me and then they threw this at me then I had scratches and then my back was bleeding oh the trauma has been codified as an acceptable cultural religious way to do good parenting and the reality is many of us were terrorized by those who were supposed to love us. And then we cover it by saying, oh, I'm glad they did it because it kept me out of prison. If you think that the prison is full of people who did not get beatings, you don't understand who has been incarcerated. 
So there are countless, the majority of people who are incarcerated are trauma survivors, yes? So if we can be honest about the verbal messages that we were given, the instructions that we were given that came out of our four parents' wounds, uh, if we can be honest about the ways that we were treated or mistreated or mishandled or the lack of covering or protection when things happened that were uh, out of order and nobody spoke up and nobody intervened and there was a culture of silence and the biggest uh, people who pay in a culture of silence are the most vulnerable. And so the ways in which we were not protected, the ways in which we were not advocated for, the ways in which we were violated, that those are avenues for the transmission of trauma. And then we also recognize that the transmission of trauma came uh, from modeling. So we learn how to be from watching those who came before us. So even if they didn't give you verbal instruction, even if you don't feel that your family was abusive, you watched how they act, and many of them were acting out of their wounds. So the way they operated in relationships, the way they handled money, the way they related on their jobs, the way they approached education, all of those things were being directed often by their wounds, and we picked up those behaviors and thought that was the norm. That's how everybody does it. This is how everybody manages their money, or this is how everybody has relationships, or this is how everybody dresses, or this is what everybody smokes. So uh, some of it is our ancestral wounds have been modeled for us, and there is also the transmission based on vicarious trauma, just what we know. So even if it wasn't my direct parents or my grandparents, when I learn about the enslavement and the brutality and the massive rapes and the lynchings, there is an impact. There is an impact on my psyche, on my spirit. We call it a soul wound, right? It's a soul wound. And it affects the way I think about myself, it affects even the way I operate because I believe that's how people see me. And many of them do, as we have seen uh, in our modern times that there has been a move away from people coding it or pretending that they think everyone is the same. And so what are uh, the ways in which I experienced it? And then finally, I wanna say physiologically, so scientists have done research studies on the brain and seen how descendants of these historical traumas pass it down even genetically, right? It is, it, it is uh, encoded uh, in me neurologically, the trauma, because the trauma affects the brain and the body, and then that same brain and body is what is producing a new generation. So I encourage you to get in touch with the generational forms of bondage that you have been operating in so that we can make a new decision, that I want to heal it 
And I want to be the start of a new legacy for my family. Whatever are the dysfunctional ways that my family has adjusted to the dysfunction of oppression, the dysfunction of addiction, which is just medication of pain. People are looking to medicate their pain. So I want to look at my family line and say, what, is, what are the things that were passed down to me that I don't want? What are the things that I have inherited and I want to not give that inheritance to my children? What are the ways of coping, thinking, living, eating, relating that were passed down to me, but I step back, I step out of the line and I look back and see it. I see it with compassion. It's not with judgment because people were living out of their wounded self. But I make a decision on today that as I come home to me, there are parts of coming home which will be unfamiliar. Usually we think of homecoming as getting back to that which is familiar, but for some of us, what is familiar is dysfunctional. What is familiar is unhealthy. If you ask me to do what comes natural to me, that's not really a good idea because when I go back to my pattern, it's gonna be an unhealthy pattern. So for some of us to come home to myself spiritually is to do some things I have never done before, to love it in a way I have never been loved before, to speak words that were never spoken to me, to live in some ways and in some spaces that nobody else in my family ever did. So are you gonna be the first one in your family to go to therapy? Are you gonna be the first one in your family that does not just surrender to diabetes and high blood pressure, but makes a decision I want to live and I want to live well. What are the cycles that you want to break? Getting very clear about them, getting very clear about them in your spirit. What are the ways that you want to be different? And again, it's not going to be from an arrogant place of looking down on those who came before you because they bled, they sweat. Their, their sweat, their tears, all of those things were a sacrifice so that I could be where I am today. So I make a decision that even though that is how they had to survive, I want to actually live. I want to actually live fully, abundantly, authentically. And so some stuff in my line has to stop with me, that I am not going to continue in that pattern of operating with anger, of having a poisonous tongue where I try to, you know, I am praised for my ability to be able to um, fuss people out. But instead, I shift. I, I shift my measuring. I shift my value system. I shift my expectation of myself. And so as I heal the ancestral traumas, the first piece is the acknowledgement. I acknowledge 
those uh, dysfunctional places and I acknowledge where they came from. So when I see it with compassion, I know that this is the root, this is the fruit of pain. This is the fruit of trauma. This is the fruit of oppression. And I don't want to eat this fruit. I don't want to eat this fruit. I don't want to eat this fruit. And so I acknowledge it. I acknowledge where it comes from. And then I make this radical decision, this radical decision that I'm willing to be uncomfortable to heal. I'm willing to step into the unfamiliar to heal. I'm even willing to be rejected and questioned to heal because some people who are stuck in their wounds won't understand your behavior, won't understand why you're talking different, won't understand why you're not doing what they do. And I am willing to take the risk of rejection because I want to live well. I'm willing to take the risk of being misunderstood so that I can come home to myself. Are you willing to release the psychological chains even if that means being different? Some of us so desire acceptance that we cling to wounds that we know don't serve us because it allows us to fit in. But can I tell you healing and freedom are contagious? That some people in your family will get set free by your freedom? Some people have never seen an example of what it can look like or what it can sound like. And so you can shift your family line even among those who are living now. You can shift it by showing up differently. It's not by making big speeches or putting people down. It's just showing up in your truth. And when you show up in truth, it will shift the tide. And some people won't like it, and that's their choice. Not everybody has to go on this homecoming journey with you, but you make a decision for yourself. An important part of healing ancestral trauma is also the narrative, which in church traditions people call testimony, right? So telling the story that many times we are sitting in shame. Some of us are ashamed of what we came out of, ashamed of our families, ashamed of the legacy of what our ancestors went through. And as long as I am living in that shame, the wound wins. But I get victory over the wound when I own my story. I tell the story. I tell the story of what I've been through, what my family went through, what my ancestors went through. And I know that in the telling, there is freedom. And also in the telling, there is the truth of our humanity and our sacredness. That we are worthy of having our wounds named and, uh, and acknowledged. We are worthy of that. And so some of you who are listening have been called too sensitive. And I want you to know often people who call you too sensitive are too hard. <laughs> oh, so if you are the weeper in your family, you are carrying the wounds. 
oh, I bless you. I bless you for every tear that came that people didn't understand, every tear that came that seemed to be disproportionate to the circumstance, every tear that came that was judged because your well is deep. Your well is deep and they could not understand it because they were looking in this moment in time and your tears run deep. Your heart, hallelujah, runs deep. So it is not just a matter of this present moment. I am carrying the stories of my great-great-grandmother. I am carrying the stories of my great-great-grandfather. They are tears that could never be shed. They are tears that went unacknowledged. And here's the beauty. Along with carrying their wounds, I also carry their wisdom. You see, people often go from one side to the other. They either want to pathologize us or put us on pedestals, right? So either pathologize, they're like, oh, we were just enslaved and it was terrible and we're horrible and we're weak and we're hopeless and we're powerless, or they want to put you on a pedestal. You all are goddesses. You're amazing. You're super strong. You're super women. You're this, you're that. And the truth is that those things coexist. Our pathology, our pain, our trauma, and our triumph, and our wisdom, and our spirit, it all coexists. And so I give myself space to hold the truth of all of it simultaneously. The wounds and the victory, the suffering and the spirit, the pain and the possibility. All of these things coexist with me. And so uh, there is a saying going around social media. I saw it on T-shirts and on signs. And it says, um, I am my ancestor's greatest dream, right? And I've also heard people talk about being uh, our ancestors, the fruit or the manifestation of our ancestors' prayers, right? And so uh, they had you in mind. Right. They had you in mind with their sacrifice. And for those of you who are listening and you have shame because in your family line is addiction and in your family line is suicide uh, and in your family line is domestic violence. I want you to know that's a part of the story. That's a part of the story. So we don't have to feel ashamed for what birthed us. Right. We survived all of those things, all of those realities, and we have the opportunity, you know, it's like a baton, the pen is now in your hand of what you're going to write in your family line. The pen is in your hand, and each day you wake up, you're writing in your family line. Each conversation you have, each relationship you make, each uh, thing you produce, each breath, each dance, each song, each laugh, laughter, each tear, you are writing a part of your family story. And so let's make it beautiful and let's make it real. See, beautiful doesn't mean perfect, right? So on my pages, there's some blood on my pages. Mm? There are some bloody pages in my story, but I want you to know something. The blood on my pages is not the end of my story. Right? There's some blessings on my pages. 
And so we are co-creating a legacy. We are co-creating a family line that does not end with us. You see, someone is coming behind you who is going to pick up from where you started. And thanks to the way you lived, they have a different understanding of what is possible. And so I want to invite you now to look behind you physically, spiritually, emotionally, and acknowledge those ancestors named and unnamed who experienced pain, who laughed, who prayed, who cried, who worked hard, who sat still, who suffered, who prayed for you to soar. I want you to look back and see them. See the faces that you know from up close and then beyond them to just see a mass of people. Uh, all of the people who came before you. There's a scripture that says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So there are those who are witnessing the choices that I make in this season, who are praying for me, hoping for me to live well. I want you to see them and know that you're not by yourself, that they're not judging you, they're not mad at you, that they're looking at you with eyes of compassion. Because even if in the earthly realm there would have been judgment, when people shift to spirit, they see some things they couldn't see in the flesh. So they see you with compassion and with hope. And then I want you to shift your gaze forward physically, emotionally, spiritually, and see those who will come after you. They don't have to be your biological children. They are just the unborn. The unborn and those who are younger than you now walking the planet, knowing that they see you. They see the example of your walk, of your talk. They see the example of the way you love and the way you live. And that in you, there is the capacity to shift the story, to write a new verse. So I welcome you home to the place where the struggle and the soaring coexist. They meet in you. You are the intersection between ancestors and unborn and your possibilities are limitless. So I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home. Mm -hmm.